Hey guys, uh, Memorial Day weekend. Hopefully uh, this is a good weekend for you. My hunch is that uh, what you're doing this weekend uh, may be a little different to what you've done in previous Memorial Day weekends. For me personally, uh, I'm often involved in the Veterans Day parades uh, in Hopkinton. Uh, we they have all the vets uh, show up, the Boy Scouts show up, and then go down to the cemeteries and I normally say a prayer at one of the uh, cemeteries if I'm involved in that parade. But obviously, with this new situation we were in, those are all cancelled. And uh, I found that with all the changes that have taken place, that I just got like kind of grumpy and fatigued. And I, I actually couldn't understand why I was like grumpy and fatigued. And so I had to like work on that a little bit and uh, think about it. Uh, the first was kind of obvious to me. Uh, I was planning uh, to go to South Africa and spend some time with my dad and my two sisters, as well as uh, v visit Gerard, who you saw a few weeks ago in a video with the church plant that we helped him start. And uh, obviously the trip got canceled because you couldn't fly anymore. And I didn't realize, you know, what did that do to me emotionally? And uh, typically I'm not sort of the person that thinks about my emotions much. But I found that it's been super helpful to try and process my emotions because I realized they're directly related to my faith. So let me try and unpack this a little bit. So once I realized that not going to visit my family as planned, there was a little bit of sadness, uh, maybe a little deeper than sadness. Maybe I'd say it was grief, not because anybody has died, but just because I was really looking forward to uh, seeing them and spending some intentional time with each of them. And we'd planned out some uh, meaningful activities. And now that's gone. And I realized, wait, I'm dealing with a little bit of grief. And then as I processed a little more, I realized, wait, there's something totally else happening. It's not like just one thing. Uh, the other thing that's happening is instead of things winding down, being on vacation, taking some downtime, things have ramped up. And not only ramped up, but I mean like it's been kind of crazy around here at church. I mean... Whoever would have thought or who would ever have had plans on how to do church when you're not together? I mean, church is all about being together. We, we love each other. You talk to each other. You see each other. Uh, so many of the scriptures are together. We. And uh, now all of a sudden, pretty quickly, we have to figure out how to do church uh, when we're not together. And not only that, then it was Easter. And uh, then we had to figure out life groups. And so, you know, my mind was planning on going into a time of uh, refreshing. And here we stepped into a time of like, okay, let's keep uh, putting the, the, the gas pedal to the floor. And then as I processed this a little more, I realized, wait, I just come back from Spain. Uh, we've had a pretty long season of going as fast as we can. Uh, I got sick in Spain, which was a sign that I was run down. And it wasn't a good time to be sick in Spain as the COVID-19 was breaking out. 
but I but I was realizing, wait, there's an emotional impact here of expecting to have downtime, but now you're ramping up. And I was just the best way I could describe myself was grumpy. I mean, I was grumpy, and I was fatigued. But it was kind of helpful to press in a little bit and say, wait, the reason I was grumpy is because I was grieving. And I was just grieving the loss of time away and time with family. And that actually helped me tremendously. If you can put your finger on what's going on, uh, it's tremendously helpful. So the other sort of emotion that I was experiencing was just being agitated. I mean, I, I don't know why I was agitated. I just like agitated and then perhaps an emotion that I wouldn't normally associate with myself is being anxious. Uh, so agitated and anxious. And again, why was I agitated and anxious? Well, because I didn't have control. And I don't like not being in control. And I don't like not knowing what's going on in the future. Uh, and I'm a planner by nature. And I'm a leader by nature. And here I'm feeling like, wait, I don't know how to lead through this. I don't even know how to plan through this. I don't even have the energy for this. And so I was starting to get in touch with where I was at. Now, I don't know where you're at. But I have a feeling that many of us are dealing with emotions that we're not necessarily used to. Or we, we kind of surprised by the way our body is reacting, fatigue or like unbelievable hunger or lack of hunger or just being snappy or maybe you're like super hyper. I mean, I don't know. Everybody's different. But I guarantee if I had to ask your spouse, if you can't identify your own symptoms, I guarantee if I asked your spouse if you married uh, to describe you, <laughs> they would probably have a good idea as to what's different. Uh, and so uh, I just want to uh, share today as we're going through the, these, these parables, which are just absolutely incredible. Because when you go through the parables, you know, you can read through them uh, uh, in, in one way and they just don't impact you. And then you can read through them and they just pierce right to the heart. I mean, so much so that when you read them, it's like, this is inspired divine scripture. This is Jesus talking to me. And not only that, it's like Jesus can talk to you like pretty quickly, just like in a few verses. It's like, put your finger on it. And so that's what I feel like with today's parable as we jump into that. And I, I just want to uh, invite you to listen carefully Ask yourself, how are you feeling emotionally? What is Jesus saying to you? And most importantly, how is this impacting your faith? Because being anxious and worrying and being filled with faith don't go together. They just work against each other. So if you want to build up your faith, which I pray that this message will do, you have to deal with your anxiety, and your worries. I've titled today's message, When Your Life Suddenly and Unexpectedly Changes. And uh, I want to look at the, 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 this parable in Luke chapter 12, 
verse 13 through 28. So if you've got a Bible, uh, why don't you open it? Or if you've got a uh, piece of paper and notes that you want to just jot down notes, or if you're going to follow along with an online device, Luke chapter 12, verse 13 through 28. Uh, Let me just pray. And I'm going to quote a proverb, Proverb 12, 25. It says this. Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. So Jesus, as I uh, preach today, I just pray it should empower my word, my words that I speak and empower your word. Lord, I just pray that uh, I would be able to speak a word that cheers people up, which encourages and Lord, I just pray that we can identify the worries that are weighing us down to be able to get rid of them. So Lord, just empower this. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Then someone called out from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Okay, so this is kind of an unusual situation. Here some guy yells out from the crowd, Hey, Jesus, you know, get involved in my uh, disputes. Now, this touches on uh, you know, Jewish custom, but the land was very important to Jewish tradition. And the eldest brother typically would inherit the biggest piece of the land, and he would be the executor of the estate. And he has the younger brother. Uh, he's, he, wants his, he wants his cash, and he wants Jesus to get involved. But Jesus is able to see through all this and say, ah, I'm not getting involved in all that. But more importantly, he puts his finger on this guy's heart and says, look, you just got a problem with money and so he tells the rest of the story he says a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops he said to himself what should i do i don't have room for all my crops then he said i know i'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones then i'll have a room enough to store all my wheat and other goods and i'll sit back And say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. So, you know, the primary point of this parable is just this. Put as much effort into developing a relationship with God as you do in developing worldly wealth. And, uh, you know, as D.L. Moody, I think, said, you can tell where a person's at within 15 minutes of discussion with him. Are they interested in the things of God or they're interested in business and, you know, making a lot of money and trying to live life easily and eating, drinking, and being merry. And it's so true. 
And Jesus puts his finger on it. But the part here which is pertinent for me, and I believe for you too, is also when Jesus says this, You fool, you will die this very night. You see, because only God can control when we live and when we die. And only God can control the future events that we don't have control over. And this really causes us to pause and to say, wait, we are not in total control of our lives. God is. And we need to get in a rhythm that relates to God being in control of our lives. So the rest of this uh, parable carries on this way. It says in verse 22, Then turning to his disciples, Jesus says, said, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat, enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens, they don't plant or, ha or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than birds. Now verse 25. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? What are you worrying about right now? Like me, like were you worried, but you didn't even know why you were worried? Pause for a second. Think about what it is that you're worried about. And heed what Jesus is saying to us. And then it goes on and says, And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work to make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will care for you. He will care for you. Why do you have so little faith? You see, here's the connection. Little faith, big worries. Little worries, big faith. There's a spiritual lesson to be learned. Uh, and not just learned, but like applied to our lives. Like I'm applying it to my life. Rob, if you want to build up your faith, you have to deal with your emotions. You have to deal with uh, the things that are, are bothering you. And I found that as I could identify these troubles, emotions, worries, anxieties, there was tremendous freedom that came to that. And I could give them over to Jesus. And then I felt something else happening, something I'm more familiar with. I felt faith building. I felt encouraged. I've, I'd certainly noticed my energy returning. And so uh, I just want to share a few um, observations I've made uh, on this. The first observation I've made is, from Romans 1.10. Again, it's sort of the passing thing in this sentence. Let me read it to you. It says, this is Apostle Paul talking. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come and see you.
to come at last to see you. Now look, this is so, so interesting to me. Paul, I don't know what personality type he would have, but I mean, he was driven. I mean, he would be a type A, probably an Enneagram 8, if any of you are familiar with that stuff. But Paul had the smarts to, to, to know that it's up to God. And he adds that little phrase, God willing. And then as I was thinking about this in my own situation, I'm thinking, well, uh, I was planning to go uh, to South Africa, but I didn't add and I didn't have in my brain God willing. If I did, it would have been extremely helpful because it would have been uh, a way of me processing change. And I mean, if you think of the Apostle Paul's life, I mean, he was driven, man. He was like going through, you know, what's modern day Turkey today, planting churches. And, and when things didn't work out the way he planned and he was directed by God to go in a completely different direction, he had the ability to turn on a dime and not be totally phased and keep doing what God was going to have him do in a different way, in a different location, with different people. And I think there's something to be learned by that. God willing. Uh, when we make our plans, it's God willing. God, this is the best plans we, we have, but we are your servants. We put it at your feet. God willing. And if it's not your will, we're not going to get, you know, totally uh, thrown off. But here's a, another thing I understood about myself. You know, as I was grieving and grumpy, agitated and anxious, fatigued, I found that it's super helpful to kind of know yourself. And uh, if you don't know yourself, ask your spouse. And so, you know, when I started thinking about why am I feeling this way? And then I started thinking about my personality. And yeah, okay, I'm an Enneagram 8. And I don't particularly always love the things about an Enneagram 8, but it is who I am. And so, you know, with any personality type, there's positives and negatives. So the positive, you know, in my personality type would be the willingness to risk, the willingness to take on things, um, take on challenges, uh, you know, make it happen, uh, that sort of thing. But the downside of my personality <laughs> are a few things. One of which is I like to be in control. Another one is uh, I like to have a plan. And another one is I hate being told what to do. So, you know, here I am. Okay, I, it's COVID-19. Everything changes on a dime. I don't have a plan. I don't know what to do. And I'm being told what to do. And I'm grumpy. And now I'm realizing why. I'm like, okay. Now I can start dealing with and processing what God is doing in me. Now each of us are different. And I think it's helpful to realize that. To get in touch uh, with, your, with your emotions. Or, your, or how you're responding or not responding. Or how you're coping or not coping. I mean, all of us like to please people to some degree. But some people have a personality type which is like you're a people pleaser. And a time like this can be very difficult. Because it's like, how do you please your boss and your spouse and your kids when everything's changed? 
especially when everything's ambiguous and you don't even know what's expected of you. And that can cause you to get grumpy or, let me just say, anxious or agitated. Uh, maybe you're a perfectionist. I mean, how on earth, if your personality is a perfectionist and you want to get it right the first time, how do you feel comfortable in a time like this when everything's ambiguous and you don't even know where, which way you're shooting? You don't even know what success might even look like. Uh, yeah, it can create anxiety. You know, maybe you, your personality is one which is performance-driven. Now, look, a performance-driven personality really has some wonderful traits because they like to get things done, and they like to get things done creatively, and they like to get things done, like, well. And, man, we need people that are performance-driven. But the, the sort of the shadow side of that would be anxiety-driven activity. You know, it's like the person's creative, so they come up with a new idea every minute, and, man, it's just like super busy, and it's go, go, go. Well, it's better to have a plan than no plan, <laughs> but you also get to a point where you run out of creative ideas, and then what do you do? Or you run out of energy, and then what do you do? Uh, or the people around you have run out of energy, and then you're doing it all on your own. Then what do you do? I mean, these things create tension in us, or anxiety, or grief, or, you know, and it's helpful for us to just process this. I mean, likewise, somebody might be a visionary or an ideas person, and now everything's changed, and so it's like, wait, we've got great opportunities. What could be an opportunity in a time like this? And their mind is just spinning like we could do this and that. Uh, and, you know, if you're around somebody like that, uh, it can be exhausting because today this is the big idea. Tomorrow they've got another big idea. The next day it's got another big idea. And, you know, if you're aware that this is someone's personality, you'll realize that the person's really just processing verbally. He's not really thinking that they're going to implement every big idea. They're just kind of throwing them out until one settles, and then that'll be the idea. But if you in the midst of somebody like that, or you're married to somebody like that, it's exhausting because you're thinking the first big idea that comes up, it's like, okay, we're going to do this. And this is the ramifications. And uh, these are the implications. And the person's already got another big idea. And it's like, oh my gosh, let me think about that. And it's exhausting. <laughs> so I don't know what part of your personality or your spouse's personality, uh, if you're married, is coming out. But I am saying that it's helpful to just know who you are and what's going on and try and get in touch with uh, with this time. I mean, even as we start, you know, coming out of COVID-19, now there's a whole other set of issues, like what does that look like? And will it be safe? And do I want to participate? And how much do I want to participate? And how much peer pressure is there? I mean, we have to start thinking about all these different facets of, uh, of where we're at. I've also noticed that, you know, anxious people, when I get anxious or if somebody else is anxious, it, an anxious person has 
a disproportionate amount of influence either in the home or in a meeting, whether it's a Zoom meeting or a live meeting, if one person in that meeting is really anxious, man, they, they just take a disproportionate amount of energy out of that meeting. Uh, and if you're a leader, it's super helpful to realize that so that, you know, the meeting doesn't get hijacked or your energy doesn't get hijacked. But if you understand that somebody's just anxious, uh, you can handle it so much better. You know, the reason I'm going on about emotions, which is really not an area that I talk about a whole lot, it is this. If we can put our finger on what it is that's bothering us or why we're responding the way we're responding, it's much easier for us to be able to deal with it and to get on. Let me use an example of sin. It's one thing to say, hey, I'm a sinner. Uh, okay, Jesus, just forgive all my past sins, my present sins, my future sins. I'm done. Well, I guess you just confessed your sin. But it's a whole different thing to say, wait, I really offended so-and-so. I said this. It was so insensitive, and I feel absolutely terrible. And Jesus, I, will you forgive me for what I've just said? The way I responded in you know, anger or whatever it was. Now you're putting your finger on your exact sin. You know, and then the Bible goes even further. It says you should confess your sins to one another. If you go to somebody, or if you can go to the person and say I'm, you're sorry, or you know, if you can't go to that person because of circumstances, and you share it with somebody else and say, look, I really messed up. I said such and such. I really feel terrible. I just, God, I, I'm just asking you to forgive me. Now you can experience a level of forgiveness that's much deeper and profound. And in a similar way, if you can identify your anxiety or what it is, and you can list it and state it, you can give it to God and say, God, help me. I want to live in faith. I don't want to live worrying about money or possessions. Deal with it. And then all of a sudden, you experience, as I said, faith rising up and your worries subsiding, which is a beautiful place to be, which is where Jesus wants us to be. Friends, as I end this, let me just ask you this question. Are you anxious? Are you worried? Are you grumpy? Are you fatigued? Deal with it. Spend a little bit of time with Jesus. Jesus says, be still and know that I am God. He said to Martha and Mary, like, don't run around like crazy. Sit at Jesus' feet. Take some time. Think about what it is that's bothering you. Identify it and give it to Jesus. Friends, do you know Jesus? You can't give it to Jesus if you don't know him. I just encourage you, if you don't know Jesus, I would say just ask Jesus to reveal himself to you. Ask Jesus to come into your life. Tell Jesus that you don't have control over everything. You might want to tell him that you're anxious. And you ask Jesus to help you in your anxiety. 
But it's important that you ask Jesus in. Allow the Holy Spirit to start moving within your life. It's easy. You just say, Jesus, come in. Jesus, I'm not perfect. And I believe that if you'll just pray that and talk to God, you will be surprised by His love. And friends, if you've been a Christian for a long, long, long time, take your pulse. Do a spiritual check. How are you doing at this particular time? And if you're not doing great, take some time to reflect and pinpoint why it is and then give it to Jesus and, and leave it with Jesus. Don't take it back. And allow God to do what only God can do. Change you and your life. Bless you. It was great to be with you. 